Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Psalms and the steadfast love of God. We'll explore the intricacies of God's covenant love for His people and learn what it means to pour out our hearts to Him. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining me today in conversation are Aaron Mills, the Women's Interim Shepherding Coordinator here at First Prez, and Dr. Kim McHurd, our Pastor of Discipleship. Thank you both for being here. I'm glad to be here. So happy to be back. After our summer series, we're back and excited to start here in the fall. And y'all, what I want you to do is give a brief introduction of yourselves and then answer our first things first question of the day. And that question is, when was the first time you can remember singing in front of an audience and how did you feel? So Ken, kick us off. Sure. I, um, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia and spent most of my life in upstate New York. And that's where I just came from to uh, join the staff here at First Press. I have a wife whose name is Lisa, and I have two, two adult children, Thomas J. and Karis Ann. Karis lives with us here in Augusta. Uh, I enjoy working out, uh, lifting weights. I enjoy birding um, and reading. I want to know if you do all three of those at the same time. <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> I try my best not to. The first time I remember singing in front of an audience uh, I was part of a quartet as a child at my um, childhood church, Christian Fellowship Baptist Church, and I sang baritone. And I love singing, but I don't like to sing in front of people. Mm. I don't read music well, and so most of most of the notes I was trying to sing by ear. So I was very nervous, um, but very happy to be a part of that group. There were talented guys. I'm not surprised to hear you are a singer. You have such a good voice. Um, I'm Erin. I'm married to Brad. We have four children. Our three boys are at Heritage Academy and uh, we just started with middle school for our oldest. Our two are still, our two other boys are in the lower grades. And then our little girl, Maggie, she's three and she's home with me mostly. Um, She's a barrel of fun. Um, for our fun and hobbies, lots of just family time right now. So just engaging with what the kids are doing. I do love a good artistic endeavor. The first time I remember singing together as a group, this is kind of a formative memory for me. So it wasn't necessarily in front of an audience, but my grandmother's church, they had no instruments. And that type of singing I learned was called Sacred Harp. And it's really beautiful and kind of eerie. Um, and it's like shaped note singing. So when you're talking about, you know, singing by ear, like that's <laughs> what they do. Like, I guess someone will like sing the first pitch and then roll from there. And I, we didn't go to the same church as my grandma, but I always loved visiting her church. And then at home, like when we'd have big family gatherings at Christmas, um, one of my aunts and her family, they would usually like bring out the singing and maybe there was a guitar or something. And I just remember always feeling like that was a special moment. As far as me singing in front of an audience, I've not done a lot of performing in that nature. I definitely remember like there being a Newsies um, choral thing at my middle school, which was very fun. That was like a favorite movie at our house. But yeah, I was too shy to go out for a main role. (laughs) Well, my first memory of actually singing, I think, was in our high school choral group. And we did do like a, I think we were called the Panther Edition. That's right. Because we were the Eastbrook Panthers. 
Panther Edition, did your little dance, you did your little singing, that type of thing. But I never had to sing a solo. I wasn't that good of a, of a singer. So I never really was all that nervous because I felt like I was in a group and nobody could really tell if it was me or not. So that was fun and not embarrassing. But I do remember playing the piano growing up. I played for several years and we would have piano recitals. And that was nerve-wracking to me because you had to get up on stage and yeah. it was so totally quiet. Did yeah. you play the piano? No, but I've, I've been there. In, yeah. in that moment when everybody's just waiting in silent anticipation, yeah. you got to hit that first note and go. So I remember being very nervous about that and thinking, all right, can I just focus on the fact that I'm making music and people are focused on the music and they're receiving something beautiful and they're not paying attention to me. But I, I couldn't make my teenage brain go there well <laughs> enough to totally quell the nerves. But I do think when poetry and music are presented, they really are captivating. They captivate us. They draw our, our hearts and minds yeah. in. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And I think that's what Psalms promises to do for us this fall as we study. There's 150 individual Psalms that make up the entire book. If you want to know who wrote the Psalms, I think most people naturally remember that it's King David, and he's credited with authoring over 70 of the Psalms, with other authors including Moses, who was an Old Testament prophet that led Israel out of slavery and into the Promised Land. You have the sons of Korah and Asaph. Would y'all have known who those were before you did a little research? Ken, I, I did, you did, only because I had... Pastor Ken. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> I did research earlier. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, those were always names that I thought, now, who are they? But they're men from the tribe of Levi who were in charge of the care and the worship activities of the tabernacle and later the temple. And then you have Solomon, who was King David's son and successor. So all of those men are contributors, David being the key one. In the ESV study Bible, I was looking through that, and it summarizes nicely the themes of Psalms when it says that the Psalms express a wide variety of emotions, including love and adoration towards God, sorrow over sin, dependence on God in desperate circumstances, the battle of fear and trust, walking with God even when the way seems dark, thankfulness for God's care, devotion to the Word of God, and confidence in the eventual triumph of God's purposes for the world. And it just helps me to remember all these themes, all these words, they are divinely inspired. They are God-breathed. And how kind it is of the Lord to give us his word to put to such a variety of emotions and experiences. And it's not just that he puts the words, he gives us words, which he does. But I think it's pretty cool the manner in which they come to us. You know, Hebrew poetry is full of all sorts of beauty and the language and the rhythm and the rhyme and all that's captured there. And even though we lose some of that, because we can't, most of us, besides Ken, can't (laughs) read the Psalms in Hebrew. Including Ken. Including Ken, okay. I love this quote by Kathleen Nielsen. She says, you know, without reading Hebrew, we cannot hear the beautiful rhythms and cadences of the original poetry. But how amazing that we can actually begin to understand and even feel the rhythm of the thoughts as they come one and the next, like wave and then another on the shore, in the matching symmetry that we begin to recognize as this poetry's basic shape. So what she means by that, were you going to say something, Ken? No, I was just thinking, that's a, that's a beautiful, um, unique part of what the Psalms is all about. But it also fits into the larger narrative of, of the Bible. Yeah. And it's so great how God would use... Uh, Re- accounts of history, narrative, 
and poetry mm-hmm. to express creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Go ahead. Yeah, I, no, very much so. Just all those different ways that he yeah. uses all those different literary tools to speak to us. And and she just mentions that that main literary tool, that idea of a wave upon wave of a thought crashing on the shore, is what we call parallelism. Just how those lines reflect one another, build on one another, and bring forward that main point in a beautiful way. And also yeah. just how much imagery is in the Psalms, how yes. much we contemplate through our senses the truth that's being expressed there. Yeah. Well, Ken, talk more than you just you started to go into, but just talk more than about how the Psalms do fit into the overall biblical narrative. Well, you know, I, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, and I was going to say that Psalms covers mostly um, part of the uh, rest, restoration and redemption and fall, but speaks a l- only a small amount about creation. But when you think about the way that God created, he created by speaking. Mm-hmm. And it, I wasn't there, obviously, but it had to be a magnificent display of beauty and power that I think we get when we look at poetry, like the Psalms, and um, enter into the imagery that some of these Psalms uh, represent. So I, I think Psalms fits in the larger Bible by including all of those themes. And it's also part of the one of the major points of the Bible. Um, you remember in Luke 24 when Jesus was returning, uh, walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, yeah, um, Jesus said to them, uh, he explained who the Messiah was from the law and the prophets and the book of Psalms. So Psalms is an important part of Jesus's ministry. Mm. It told us who he would be, and it also um, pointed us to a coming Messiah. One of the things I appreciate about Psalms also, I think it's over 350 times the Psalms is referred to in the, in the New Testament and quoted about 38 times in the New Testament. And sometimes it's kind of difficult to see when that happens, but one of the tools that I use, one of the things that I do, when I read a text and Jesus is talking and he'll say something like, this was said because, and there's a quote, mm-hmm. uh, and when it comes from Psalms, you can go right back to Psalms and look at the whole chapter and look at it in context and get a beautiful, full picture of what uh, Jesus meant when he used that quote. And then one of the other things I love, I love when the New Testament writers uh, use Psalms to talk about Jesus' glorification and his suffering. It's a beautiful reminder that the human emotions that we feel, that Jesus, because he was a real man uh, and fully God, felt those emotions, and he dealt with those issues. Mm. Yeah, I like you bringing out all three of those things, just initially thinking how much Psalms is quoted or Mm. referenced and how Jesus himself used it to explain who he was, it helps to remind us that theology is rich and deep in the Psalms. Yes. That it's, it's yeah. not sort of fluff, you know. If you, if you can't feel like you can swallow Romans today, you know, go to the <laughs> Psalms. And of course they are very much different, and there are times that you want to go to Romans and times you want to go right. to the Psalms, and right. that's like we've already said, the beauty of the different ways the Lord delivers his words to us. But 
that they're rich in theology. We can expect rich theology, and yet they're also rich and deep in human emotion and human emotion that Jesus shared with us and understands and knows. And so we learn more about our hearts and ourselves as we learn more about him in the book of the Psalms, the combination of both. Yeah, Amber, I also think that, you know, we just recently came out of the pandemic, and in the pandemic we realized um, loneliness on a large scale. Um, some of the emotions and concerns that people had to deal with in the emotion in uh, during the pandemic. I think Psalm speaks to those things. So it's very practical. It's not only theological. It's very practical in how to how to navigate these emotions that we feel in this in this um, venture of life that we're on from a biblical perspective, knowing that God knows us, he cares about us, and he has, he has answers to the issues that we've, real answers to the issues we face. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about that then, the practical, and how these psalms practically have been used in our own lives. And I want to start by talking about how have they functioned in y'all's prayer life? Because a lot of these psalms are written, of course, to the Lord. They're addressed to the Lord as prayers, either delivered corporately, also used individually. How have those uh, have the psalms been used that way in your lives? Yeah, I think as Pastor Ken was saying that we love the psalms because Jesus loved the psalms. Yeah. And he quoted the psalms when he yeah. was suffering. And he quoted the psalms to point us to the truth and the goodness in the Old Testament. And he gives us the words. He shows us um, with great beauty. And I think that's one of the things that the Lord uses us to draw us in is beauty. And um, he shows us with great beauty who he is, how kind he is to his people, how um, what a deliverer he is, how he is merciful and how he is just. And he puts those words into our mouth to help us pray that praise back to him. But he also gives us those um, Psalms where we're at the bottom and we are lonely and we have um, despair like we see in Psalm 88 and just um, all that, all the, the Psalms that are when we're at the bottom, like he gives yeah. us language to pray yeah. back to him. And it shows us that he did know humanity and that he has known our brokenness. He understands the evil of the world, but he also promises that he will conquer it. And so, yes, there's this great hope found in the Psalms and praying that back to God gives us a tool that we can pray in a way that is God honoring. Mm. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you said something that uh, I was going to say, but you said it so beautifully. As a pastor, sometimes I'm called to pray publicly during a worship service, and that personally is one of the most stressful times for me because I'm, I'm often thinking about what should I say. I don't want to forget something that's important. But when I pray the Psalms, it, it centers me in a way. It uh, focuses my thoughts so I can remember to praise the Lord. I can remember to bring real concerns to Him. It, it's a it's a real prayer. So yeah, I'm just like you. I, I love the Psalms when I when I think about prayer. Yeah, and he shows us what is authentic. I think yeah. our culture is trying to lead with how to be authentic and vulnerable, but God gives us right. that pattern here in Psalms of what real authenticity looks like. Right. The other thing that you reminded me of, sometimes I'm tempted to put on a happy face when I'm praying. I don't want to complain. Um, I don't want to show God the dark side of my soul. Hmm. And Psalms 
helps me show God the dark side of us. He already knows it. He already it. knows. Yeah. yeah. But I, I hesitate showing him that. Mm-hmm. But it, my prayer is richer when I release that mm-hmm. and trust God with that. Yeah. yeah. And your healing. You get to see that healing yeah. that he's promised. Yeah. Well, that resonates with me because it brought to mind a interaction I had when I was a youth intern here at First Pres. 18 years ago, which dates me for sure. And I was hanging out with one of the girls in the youth group and we were talking about worship, corporate worship and her Mm -hmm. experience in worship. And she just said, I really do not like that we do the prayer of confession and I have to read it. That seems so insincere. And, you know, she's maybe 15, 16. And and she said, I mean, I don't have, have, have to confess those things. And I thought to myself, yeah, girl, you do. You just don't realize it. Right. But that can sometimes be the complaint that unless it comes from just my heart with yeah. no prompting whatsoever, then it's not sincere. Right. But I was reminded that that prayer of confession leads us into confession because her 15-year-old mind didn't really understand her heart. So right. she was being taught her heart. And I think the older we get, Maybe, at least for me, the more I understand, I don't really know my heart. I I need to be taught my heart. I mean, yes, I want to express what I know, but there are so many things that I think we learn in the Psalms that we didn't really know were there, or we didn't know how to express, or we didn't know how to put words to. And so I think that that helps me when I'm praying to think, hmm, maybe that is how I feel, or maybe that is my perspective, or wow, would the Lord really say that to me, or whatever. Yeah, like that. Yeah, you reminded me that in the Psalms, there's this corporate sense in the Psalms that I am more than just my individual self. I am part of the um, body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so in that instance, when we pray a prayer, that a corporate prayer that doesn't always connect with where I am at the particular point, it connects to somebody in the Mm -hmm. body. And I'm joining with that somebody. And um, in one sense, their sins become my sins. Mm -hmm. Their confession becomes my confession because we're doing it together and nobody is by themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing we learn from the Psalms, Mm -hmm. especially the songs of ascent. We're not by ourselves. We're together. And I think that's one of the things that helps us through loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we have the corporate aspect and individual aspect of prayer. But then we also have worship. You know, there's so much, of course, in prayer and worship are absolutely connected and interwoven. But when you think about the praise of God and the utilization of psalms in that realm, what does that look like, uh, either individually or corporately for you? I think I, um, I go back to the songs of ascent corporately. It reminded us that we're a, a body going through these issues together. There's a psalm that talks about lamenting that, that the Israelites were in Babylon and they couldn't worship the way that they wanted to. And how many times have we felt that way? How many times have we felt that way in our families? Mm-hmm. Our life is not going the way we thought it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we enter into that. The other thing that I, I can't get out of my head, Jesus grew up reading Psalms and he grew up singing some of the psalms. And so sometimes when I'm, when I'm worshiping and reading psalms, sometimes I imagine Jesus said these same things. He used these same words in worship. Mm. 
and I'm connecting with him, mm. you know, in yeah. worship. And so that, that just makes it great for me. Yeah. I love that. And just to kind of loop back to what you were saying earlier, it is um, oftentimes instructive when we do that corporate confession and when we read the Psalms, like we read and we we discern what is really hiding in our heart that maybe we've masked over because of shame or whatever. But it's certainly in the pews of First Press that I've learned that um, a pursuit of a life of comfort and ease is hmm. not what God wants for us. That's yeah. not his best for us yeah. because we, we read that in the confession of sin. And I think right. maybe like the 15-year-old, I was like, mm-hmm. wait, that's a sin? That's the American <laughs> dream. <laughs> so it is one of those things that it, I've grown into that to understand that there are things that God calls us to, like he calls us to his righteousness and Certainly as a child, I've read the Psalms and seen the righteousness. I I, I understood that to mean like you did the right thing. Mm -hmm. But as I've grown in my faith and just understanding that we love righteousness because Christ has made us right. Like we love the one who's made us right. And that's the only way that we can do anything right. And as far as the corporate um, aspect, certainly I think of... As somebody who really loves music and loves poetry and loves reading, when you connect with somebody that knows your favorite artist and loves your favorite artist or your favorite poet or your favorite author, and you're like, oh, I feel like I know you. Like, I understand you. We have a shared language, even though we haven't talked about all the things about that person or that group that we love. And that's the Psalms for believers. We can meet somebody like... At our pew in First Pres, or we can meet somebody across the world and know that we share that same love for yeah. that author, that yeah. creator of the Psalms. Like we have that connection that we are known by that same God, that we sing those same praises, that He invites our heartache just the way He does for every other believer. And it just, like you were saying, like our Lord knew that, you know, connection with His people and with God. And we know that. Yeah. So it does definitely give us that corporate. Uh, feel to wow, that's great body of believers yeah that connection on both levels like the fact that jesus in his human form saying these words yeah. you think yeah. wow that i hadn't contemplated that yeah. before that he gets that that he used that that he had that experience and then how you're expanding that to aaron to think about how that includes us within the larger group here at first press and expand out and expand out and expand out so i appreciate that corporate emphasis yeah Aaron I was thinking it breaks down barriers doesn't it mm. you know sure. yeah what's important is no longer our education mm-hmm. or our status it is who we are in Christ yeah. and we share this interest the songs mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's excellent it's our shared song book yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it yeah, that's very good well mine is not as good but I'm gonna say it anyway because <laughs> I'm all individualistic over here but I was thinking, how many times do I actually sing the Psalms? Yeah. And not yeah. a whole lot, really. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to about our study this fall is we're going to pull in some music and, and utilize oh, that great. in some ways that we haven't before. So I don't really have a whole lot of tunes that come to my mind when I think of the Psalms. But I have memorized some, and I've found that that memory, that ability to say it fluidly, you know, in my right. mind, definitely deepens my understanding of yeah. it. I can... And when I'm riding in the car and I can go through that in my mind or if I'm, you know, doing whatever, it comes to my mind. But one of the ways it has ministered to me in a similar way that a song sometimes does is sometimes my mind is just muddled. And oftentimes mm-hmm. it's muddled with things I don't want it to be muddled with. Yeah. Maybe it's 
fear or anxiety, yeah. um, anger, those sorts of things. And I, and I know those are important to not just glaze over and you know shelve. But after I've thought it through as much as I can and I still am stuck, Sometimes I've just got to put a song in my head. I yeah. just have to reroute myself with something that grabs me and takes my mind someplace completely different. And I found that even just memory of Psalms, even though it's not a tune, yeah. to put those truths in my mind then even sometimes helps unpack the muddle of my mind yeah. that I couldn't get to by myself. Yeah. So I've seen them function in that way I love that. for me as well. Yeah. All right, well, we're talking a little bit about how we see that personally, and you all touched on this briefly but culturally you know 2022 mm-hmm. how are these psalms appropriate for our church culture but then also outside of our church culture yeah i think aaron, I'm, uh, aaron was going to say something that jumped in but i think aaron mentioned this earlier we are looking for authenticity so the psalms allows us to express real emotion real doubt real fear and we're communicating to the our culture, we're not afraid to talk about those things in the church. We're not ignoring them. We're expressing them. But we're also given the rest of the story. We're not in our fear and loneliness by ourselves. God speaks to that, and he brings healing, his presence, his loving kindness. In, in, uh, in the Hebrew, is chesed, God's loving kindness, is expressed in the way that he relates to us. And so the Psalms is a beautiful way to engage our our culture. Yeah, I think certainly that our culture is trying to answer those big questions. They want to see justice. They want to see love. They want to see an, an authentic way to relate. They want to see a spiritual nature of human. Like we all understand some way and just like our base level selves, we know that those are parts of the human experience. So we get those answers in all of God's word and we yeah. certainly see them highlighted in the Psalms. And yeah, we need the Psalms the same reason we need all of scripture. It tells us the story of who God is and who he's created us to be and puts us into right worship with him. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that same thing, just that self-expression is so uh, important to us. We want to express ourselves in a way that we then feel good about ourselves. Yes. You know, we're going to yeah. understand ourselves and put ourselves out there and then have people appreciate who we are. And then that will be the sense of ultimate gratification or self-discovery or whatever it is. And I love that mix of, yeah, the Bible doesn't shy away from the authenticity of human nature. Yeah. And it does, isn't afraid to go deep and to see the intricacies, the broken parts, the good parts, yeah. all of that. It's addressed. It's there. We talk about it, but it doesn't end there. And I think yes. that's where our culture is just, we're missing out because we just stop there. Yes. And yet yes. the Psalms are about bringing all of that authenticity before the face of God yes. and then asking him and his mercy to reveal himself to us. And you talked about how he then reveals himself to us in love and the combination of taking ourselves truly before the Lord and yeah. him in his mercy and grace shining his face on us brings a sort of life and identity and security that culturally we can't find in just self-expression, yeah. I think. Yeah. To talk more, Ken, just briefly, like the different ways, because you've, you've mentioned this to me before, but that hesed, when we speak about God's love, what are some of the ways it reflects itself in the Psalms that maybe we're not 
initially yeah. looking for? Yeah, so one of the ways I think is how we normally translate it, loving kindness. But another way is uh, how Erin ex- um, explained it earlier. She used the word justice. Mm. So God's chesed is in his justice, in the way that he says there's a right and there's a wrong, and those who have been wronged, God does not forget their plight. And he lifts them up, and he takes the abusers away. That's part of God's chesed, mm-hmm. um, his consolation. Um, um, I said justice, his righteousness. All of those things are, are expressions of God's loving kindness. Mm. Yep, how that love encompasses is in part of the encompassing whole of his character. We don't right. piecemeal out. Yeah, you know, sometimes these yes. justice, sometimes these loving kindness, sometimes these righteousness, right. but all of those things right. combined into yeah. the whole. Well put. What do y'all anticipate? Well, I guess I'll put it this way: What things about Hesed, and whether it be loving kindness, justice, the themes that we're talking about right here, what type of those? What about those things? Elude you. And what delights you? I mean, I think for me, some of them naturally delight me. Like, I get it. And some of it's like, I can't quite grab a hold of that. It's slippery, yeah. you know? Yeah. What, what do y'all think? Yeah, that's well, uh, I mean, great point to consider. I mean, we, the loyal love piece. I mean, I think that's what we delight in, knowing that God's love is not contingent upon our behavior. I think we understand that in the best way that we can, even though we don't really know that from our human relationships, even those that love us best, um, fail us. They fall short of the mark. They disappoint us. And, um, knowing that we get that kind of loyal love from God is a great, um, consolation. I think was what you're pointing out. We see that so much in the Psalms. Um, but yeah, I think when we start, we use our little human minds to start thinking about things like justice and it's like, then we, it's hard to sort the wicked from the good, the righteous. And, and that's why it's not up to us to sort it. Definitely his justice is one of those pieces that feel elusive to me that I can't Mm -hmm. see the difference between the wicked and the righteous with my own human eyes. And that's why God said that he will do the sorting as Ken was pointing out that he knows the heart and he can look upon the heart and the fact that we're not counter righteous because of our deeds. Like, man, that's good news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's real good news. Cause even of those of us who might think ourselves, you know, pretty good little people. It's like, no, actually without the covering of Christ, we're, we're on team wicked. So the fact that we're covered in his righteousness is, the, the greatest gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how you make the point that oftentimes we're trying to think about these things with our own human minds or we're basing them off of experiences that yes. we've had. I think for me, one of the things that in some ways eludes me and yet delights me is how much initiative the Lord takes in his love mm-hmm. towards me. Yeah. I mistakenly yeah. think that the initiative's mine and that he'll respond kindly to me. But if I let go of that initiative... If I somehow don't reach out, don't do this, don't do that, then he's sort of back there waiting on me. And I forget that he's actually the one in pursuit of me. Mm -hmm. I love that he's in pursuit of us. And one thing I've been meditating on in the Lord's Prayer is deliver me from evil. And I think it's easy to think of like he's going to deliver us. Like we've been studying Second Samuel or First Samuel and just talking about how David gets delivered from many of his actual physical enemies And I think that is very true, that the Lord protects us and he keeps us from harm, physical harm. But I love he, I think this is just kind of a new angle on this for me, is that he delivers us from the evil within us. 
that mm-hmm. just the yeah. the soul rot that we have that mm-hmm. he is gradually over time delivering us from those lies like you were talking about like he frees us up from that and gives us a pure heart mm-hmm. yeah i guess when i think about god's loving kindness there's a couple of thoughts that that come to mind i've spent most of my life um not feeling like i deserve god's love mm-hmm. or um genuine love from from anybody mm-hmm. and so to know that god's love is uh, expressed to me, it's hard for me to receive at times. I try to justify that by saying, well, of course, he loves me because I'm a minister, or he loves me because I just preached a sermon, or I just led worship. But no, he loves me because of who he is, and he's, um, he's drawn himself to me. And mm-hmm. so it's hard for me at times to, mm-hmm. to receive that. Um, most of the times, I, most of the time I have to receive that by faith and say, well, your word says it, so I'm going to accept it. Mm. But I, I, I have a hard time holding on to that. Mm. The other thing is I, I can't imagine how anybody can love without sin. Mm. Um, the the one woman in my wife, my life I love the most is my wife. We've been married almost 31 years, and most recently I went through an illness, and she had to do things for me um, that I didn't think anybody would ever have to do. I, it was at my weakest moments. And still my love for her is selfish at times, um, is self-seeking at times, um, it's not full, and I can't do it the way that God does it. It eludes me the way that God mm. can do that, mm-hmm. but I'm certainly glad he does, mm-hmm. but I still struggle with understanding that. Yeah, yeah. Well, by faith, what you said, that by faith, yeah. and then yeah. one day when we see clearly yeah. face to face, <laughs> and until then we walk by faith in that, and even just listening to y'all, put words to some of that uh, is encouraging to me. And really this whole conversation on Psalms is encouraging to me. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and some of the themes that we're talking about that we start to get excited about, we're we're really going to be able to meditate on them and go deep in them and hear what the Lord has to say about them. And that's the beauty and the wonderful thing about studying His Word. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It is, you said this at our Bible study training, it's the way the Lord comes near us. He speaks to us. And we're looking forward to that in the book of Psalms. Well, listeners, if you want to see the faces of Aaron and Ken today, you can check them out. Don't shake your head, Ken. Yes, they do. You can check them out on our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA. Or you can find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. And I'd love you to join Aaron and me again next week. You can take us with you while you go for a walk or maybe while you make a quick run to the grocery store. We'll be sitting with Emily and Anna to talk about Psalm 16 and the fullness of joy found in the presence of the Lord. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings when comforts are declining he grants the soul again a 
season of your shining to cheer it after the rain.